persons with disabilities and their families in the full life of the church. In recent years, April 2nd has been designated as World Autism Awareness Day, and April as Autism Awareness Month. We have come to know these dates on the calendar with an emphasis on celebrating autism. I have the great privilege of knowing many individuals and families in the autism community, so I want to begin today by encouraging us to not, not to limit our focus momentarily on seeing and meeting needs of individuals living with autism and their families to a specific day or even a specific month. The truth is that for many individuals and families in the autism community, though they may appreciate that these social dates of recognition help raise awareness, many parents especially speak of choosing to avoid all the media attention in April. You might be wondering why. Raising awareness is good, isn't it? Everyone involved in sharing information on social media, etc., have the best intentions, correct? I believe they do. The intent was and is to raise awareness regarding autism. But one word often associated with these endeavors, the word celebrating, is not what parents I know are doing. They are striving to raise their families to the best of their abilities, like every other family. Though their child or children, sometimes they have more than one child with autism, have greater needs than other children they experience. Socially, emotionally, behaviorally, educationally, medically, etc. Parents celebrate their children. They love their children. They want the best for their children. They don't celebrate the diagnosis of autism. Other families don't celebrate a diagnosis of diabetes or of cancer, etc. So when all of the emphasis is on celebrating autism on those designated dates and times, that's not how families who live with a loved one with autism feel. Uh, again, I've heard them many times say, we really try to even avoid social media in some of these initiatives because it's it kind of a mixed message to them, again. What they would like to see, and which is what I think I'm going to propose to us today, is that we really put our efforts into action, you know. Instead of uh, awareness, which is a beginning point, but we have to move beyond that. We can do better than that. And especially I speak from the lens of the church in particular. There's a lot we can do. I'm going to give, you, give us some suggestions today. So, autism families, which also remember include their siblings, the extended family members, grandparents, godparents, etc., they spend inordinate amounts of time and energy fighting for their loved ones' rights and needs to be met in the world. They certainly shouldn't have to do this in the church. That's for sure. They are the consummate advocates for their children. Their, their sibling, their grandchild, etc., all day, every day. Knowing this, I encourage us to shift our thinking to not focus on having a celebration as much as having opportunities, yes, to raise awareness, but also to educate others to remove stigmas. 
and to make action plans that provide appropriate support structures so that those living with autism can be successfully included not only in the world but in our churches. This is to be our goal all the time. So whenever and wherever we have influence in the world, let's work toward building a more inclusive society by building more inclusive faith communities. We can help every child reach their potential by ensuring access to opportunities to be involved in the full life of the church, which has always been and will remain the focus of this radio program. So a little information first on autism spectrum disorder, so we are up to date as well, so you can pass on other information to others. It is a developmental disability, and it relates to varying differences in brain development. Learning abilities can range from extremely gifted to very challenging. It will often significantly affect a person's communication, behavior, and social skills. Unfortunately, rates continue to rise. Our current estimate of um, a statistic from the Center for Disease Control is that one in 59 births are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And because of the big range that we just mentioned, that's why often now we just will say someone's on the spectrum. So the autism spectrum disorder, or sometimes we see the acronym ASD, but we also might say that someone's on the spectrum. And, and to that note, I'll say one other thing that I've just begun saying, and, and because I appreciate it very much, because every brain is different, every one of us does things different from the next person in the way we do it whether it's our speech, our behavior, our um, solving a, a problem, a critical thinking, we might do these things different because every brain is different, not right or wrong, just different. In that sense, in our own neurodiversity of every brain being different, it can be said, I believe, that there's a speck of spectrum in all of us, okay? So if we can appreciate our own diversity, it's easier to, again, appreciate that diversity in other people. Same as the more we can see Christ in ourselves, that we're made in God's image, the more we can see that in each other. Okay? So we have to kind of look at ourselves first, and it, it definitely helps us see the world uh, in hopefully a more compassionate and merciful way, the way we want to be treated ourselves. Um, sometimes someone on the spectrum may be more verbal. It is more common in boys, but there have been reading some things recently that talk about oftentimes girls may not be, have, have not been diagnosed. Uh, and that might be why right now still they say that those are, says are five times more common in boys. But again, they're starting to do some research and uh, been reading some things about possibly some of the girls might not have been, they may have been misdiagnosed or undiagnosed on the spectrum. Persons with autism are most likely, statistically we know, in every community. So, no different to our faith communities. So, that's important to know. So, then we come down to, well, what can a, um, what can a parish, what can a faith community do? I learned about the three A's a long time ago. And the three A's are awareness, acceptance, and action. Now, those three A's, the interesting thing of them is that I was told they always go in that order. They can't go in another order. So first you have to become aware of something. Then you have to accept that reality. And once you embrace or accept that reality, you are now 
the threshold of being able to, being able to effectively move into action in the world. Okay? So whether it's something you're working on on yourself personally, or in my case, because I'm blessed to be in a position where I can direct a ministry and serve a larger group of people as well. Um, so that's my area of influence, let's say. So I have an opportunity to, again, sit here today and speak and share some information with you, okay? Because I have this opportunity, and I can give you some action steps, especially for parishes. First and foremost, of course, is, is offering uh, anyone who comes into your church or faith community a Christ-like welcome. So practice Christ-like hospitality. Autism can create social isolation for an entire family. Networking with others builds stronger communities. Those of us who are, by the grace of God today, let's say, in a healthy place, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, we have a responsibility to share what we can with someone who might be struggling in one of those areas. So again, we can strengthen that whole community by extending our hand and heart to other people. Every human being is a person first, not a diagnosis. So we always encourage everyone to use people-first language. Put the person before any diagnosis. So we could say Charlene has a diagnosis of autism. Charlene is living with autism, if that's my reality. So as opposed to I'm autistic or um, there's an autistic girl in my class. No, we want to say there is a child who has a diagnosis or is living with a diagnosis. It would even be a great way to say it. And I like the living with because that's the reality, right? It's if they actually are living with it. They can be living fully and beautifully. And that's what we have to focus on, the positives and the support we can provide them. Sometimes persons on the spectrum, because of some of the challenges they have with social environments and, you know, gatherings where there's large groups of people or where there's maybe lots of sights and sounds or in church we might say smells and bells, those, those environments can be overstimulating for someone. So one thing for sure that parishes can do, and I'm really working towards encouraging our, our Catholic community here in the Galveston-Houston area this year to move into offerings what we're going to call sensory-friendly masses. Another way you might think of that is low-sensory. So low-sensory meaning instead of all of the lights in the church being on, maybe for a mass for this community so that they will feel welcome and able to attend, we might have only half of a bank of the lights on. You know, just something that would lower that because too many, too bright of lights might be overstimulating for someone. Um, between raising anxiety and just their stimulation being a little more sensitized, or often a lot more sensitized than someone else's, things like bright lights or too many lights can be problematic. So cutting the, the bank of lights to half instead of full, maybe instead of having a full choir or even instruments used at a mass, Maybe it would be more a cappella or just, you know, very quiet one instrument. Something more maybe along the lines of what a Catholic might think of at a daily mass. So a little more peaceful, quieter, possibly even a shorter, a little shorter mass than our full Sunday mass. Maybe it would be uh, 45 minutes instead of one hour because maybe the homily is a little shorter. Maybe the responsorial is read instead of sung. So we can do some things that might kind of tighten up the timeline so that, again, that experience is manageable and, um, and doable, okay? So that, those are some tips for sure for our parishes. And parishes wanting to talk to me more about that, and at the end I give my contact information, I'd certainly always love to hear from you. Um, 
So again, sights, sounds, things like that, be sensitive. Be sensitive also even to if you're teaching a child with a disability and or autism. They may have a very strong aversion to some smells that we might put on a cologne or perfume because it smells good to us. To someone else, it might be too much or even a, a taste or uh, a smell that is not pleasant. So I would recommend if you're you know, serving others, even in communities like faith and teaching the faith, maybe don't wear the cologne. Don't wear the bright, flashy, busy jewelry or clothing. Those things to someone else might be hard to see, hear, or smell. Okay? So, again, the bangle bracelets, you know, it's not that we, they aren't bright, and we might want to wear them at another time and place, but if you know you have someone in your in your uh, purview that has any kind of sensory issues, be conscientious of all those things even when you're preparing to go to, to serve them. And I definitely want to say this, and, and hope, hopefully all the church knows this, but we want the families as well to always know this. Persons who are nonverbal, as well as verbal, but persons who are nonverbal can receive the sacraments in the Catholic Church. In particular, the emphasis typically is on when your parents will present their children is to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, Eucharist, and confirmation. Okay, so and the way we say that is that they can express their spiritual understanding through gestures or signs of reverence. So, and again, prayer hands can be shown to signify their amen or their I believe. So, um, two other things, just a couple of resources. I'm just going to put these out because as much as we want to educate, the Autism Society, of course, is an online resource you can go to and gain a lot of further information. Locally, we have a group called Autism Rescue Angels. Um, two women who were parishioners in our parishes in recent years created Autism Rescue Angels specifically for fundraising to support our local autism families in the Houston area, so that's another great resource. And lastly, I would say no, K-N-O-W, no Autism Foundation. You can look for that as well for even additional information. So, with that, I say, by being the hands and feet, the eyes and ears of Christ, we support autism families and their Catholic identity. Together, we can make a difference. I hope you were blessed by listening to In God's Image today. I welcome your questions or comments. Please send them to ingodsimage at archgh.org. That's ingodsimage at archgh.org. This is Charlie.